It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. And, well, as you can tell, my voice, James, still has not recovered from party hard from the blind pig from Thursday night football. And for our weekend mailbag, weekday, midweek mailbag, man, uh, we're going to start actually with a little bit of a recap of how our week went last week at the blind pig at the game after the game. And for me being back in Cincinnati, what it was like to be there for a primetime game. I think that's actually the first primetime Bengals game I've ever attended. And this fits in really well, I think with the first question for the mailbag. So we'll call this answering a mailbag question, James, as we talk about our experience last week, this comes from Bengal Bob at the Bengal Bob on Twitter. He writes, the stadium appeared to have a different energy. On Thursday night, what is the atmosphere like at the game? And do you recommend that out-of-town fans make the trip to see a game? And I'm just going to start real quick, James, because I'm the out-of-town fan. I know you got to watch the energy, and you can speak to how it maybe was different from other games. But for me, it was worth it. Absolutely. Like For me, I, I haven't been to a game in a few years. I haven't been to Cincinnati in a few years. So it was really cool to see how the city has changed. But also, the game itself was actually really fun. And I know it was like the Ring of Honor night and it was a primetime game, so some differences there. And the first half was awful. Like, it was miserable to sit through that first half and just, like, watch how close they were in a lot of ways and how things weren't going their way. But the second half was incredible. And then they won the game, and the atmosphere really was great. It was really loud. I mean, they were almost sold out. Like, 63,000 out of 65,000, I think, tickets sold, something like that. And... You could tell like there weren't visible empty pockets in the stadium. So I would recommend it. I thought it was a lot of fun. James, you've seen a lot more home games than I have. I guess one of those seasons was empty of fans. Well, what was your take? It was electric, completely electric. And uh, during the pregame, probably about 20 minutes before kickoff, I made my way down um, to your section. Was it 154? And uh and, and got to see you guys and got to see a bunch of listeners. So that, that was awesome. And so as I'm making my way towards the seats and back, first off, it's the worst time to, to try to do that because people are filing in and trying to find their seats and in line. And it's just, you know, chaos uh, as people are looking for their seats. But, you know, from the fireworks to the energy in the stadium, you had Hude chants uh, for, from different people just throughout. The introductions I thought were really, really cool. And people were so damn excited. And yeah, that's why that first half was such a gut punch because everybody, it was electric and there wasn't much to cheer about in the first half. So uh, yeah, I would totally recommend the environment. I I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Bengals uh, get flexed into another primetime game or two this year, if they keep winning. But even if they don't, I I think that the, 
the in-game atmosphere. There's clearly a difference this year compared to last year, obviously, with COVID. But even if COVID didn't exist and fans were in the stands last year, the atmosphere would have been different um, this season. Just from everything Elizabeth Blackburn uh, has done, and shout out to her for showing up at the Blind Pig and and chatting with us and chatting with fans at our event. But I I think she deserves a lot of credit, uh, you know, in, in this entire Bengals organization deserves credit because they realize that that fan experience is important, even if they are winning, right? It's, it's more than that. You, you want to make sure that the fans feel appreciated. And I'm, I'm starting to see some change there. So uh, I know I, I think it's certainly worth the trip, certainly worth checking out. And uh, the Bengals have some good home games coming up, starting with this Sunday against the Packers. And there's some really good food around downtown Cincinnati and over the Rhine, which is, you know, a walk. A long walk given, but a walk from the stadium, a walk from the banks that I walked a lot while I was in Cincinnati. One note before we talk about the rest of the week, I thought that the primetime aspect of things really gave them like it added a lot of juice to the pregame experience. So the player introductions, they were able to do more with lighting, right? Because it's dark outside. So they're able to do more with that play off that versus daylight where I think you're a little bit limited what you can do in terms of a light show. So pretty cool to see the light show they kind of put on in the, in the pregame with the player introductions and things like that. I, I enjoyed that. And just in general, you know, talking to Joe Goodberry's brother, Glenn, he's, he's a season ticket holder with the Buffalo bills and, you know, the bills have infamous tailgates. And so not really to compare the tailgates or anything, but he was even saying, you know, I thought that was a great game day experience. And this is for someone who, has experienced, you know, the Buffalo Bills games for the last few years as Josh Allen took that big leap last year. So there's a, a third party perspective that that doesn't see it all the time, like like you do, James, and has no affiliation with the team. Although I think the Bengals are one of his, you know, secondary teams. He's, I think, a sure. Bills fan first, but um, just a, an external perspective there that speaks to what they're doing and also quick shout out to seth tanner who also was at our blind pig event and has done a lot with the uh, game day experience and he's clearly doing a good job yeah and and part of our game day giveaway emily parker just came through man the jamar chase ball the autograph ball man the and i forget the the guy's name that won it but he was just what are you kidding me his voice started cracking he's like are you kidding me and he started getting so excited it was it was the best so yeah our event was was awesome and you know so many people you know put in time to do that and then to show up because look a lot of those people were going thursday night and so to come downtown on wednesday night in the middle of a work week i I know it's tough and i wasn't sure exactly what to expect and i was uh i was blown away away by everybody that came through. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I know you had fun. And even though you had been walking and, and we're about to embark on a, a lot of walking through downtown Cincinnati, I, I think it was certainly a successful night. Yeah. I was at like 14,000 steps two days in a row there on, on Wednesday and Thursday. Jake. That's just a lot. I think in general, 14,000, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of <laughs> stepping. Uh, it was a lot of fun though. The, the blind pig. Let's just talk about that for a, a minute. The really great moment when you and I, the guy was front and center who won the Jamar Chase ball, and you and I, I think, were probably both watching his reaction. He goes, he, he, you know, he has that that. If you're watching on YouTube, you saw it, but he has a stunned moment when he realizes, oh, they called my name, and he's like talking to us after. He's like, I never win anything. This is awesome, and so that was really cool. And 
you know, the, the story is going around about the hats that were traded after they were won. That was pretty cool. Uh, the, the guy that won the ball, he reaches out to grab it from me because we took it out of the box and he, he almost put his hand right on the signature. And I'd be like, hey, don't don't touch that signature. You're going to scuff it up because the ink will come <laughs> off. Yeah. And, and luckily we we stopped him from defacing the prize that he just won. But it was a really great <laughs> event. What would you say, like 200 to 400 people? I have no idea because they were in and out throughout yeah. the night. I know some people found me at the banks at like 1 a.m. after the game and we're like hey i tried to come to the blind pig but you know it just looked too full i didn't think i didn't think i was going to get in so sorry if you were one of those people who tried to come and couldn't get in but i mean great turnout great to meet so many of you and really quite surreal for me i don't know about you to to be you know that kind of center of attention like that but i guess we should have expected it no, it was it was great. I mean, it just shows we have the best listeners ever. We do, honestly, because uh, again, coming out in the middle of a work week, doing that and and hanging out. I, you know, it started at seven. We didn't give away the chase ball till you know nine forty five or so. Uh, but getting to meet so many of you in person, shake hands, chat with you, chop it up with you. Uh, you know, it's one thing to do a mailbag, and it's kind of you know some interaction that way. I try to be present on Twitter, <clears throat> but it's it's completely different doing it in person and in. My thing, and I know we've already talked about this a little bit, we hope to do it again. And we don't know exactly when yet, uh, but uh, we would love to have an in-person event again. And we think it's uh, it's certainly doable since you guys are, are, you know, men and women, by the way, are so loyal and uh, and showed up and, and made the trip. So we'll, uh, we'll see. We don't know where it'll be at, when it'll be, but that's uh, certainly something Jake and I uh, have discussed over the past few days since uh, since Wednesday night. Hopefully in the future, shout out the Blind Pig, shout out Bengal Jim for helping us secure the ven venue. Appreciate all of you guys. Let's get into the rest of these questions in this mailbag, shall we, James, and stop talking about ourselves perhaps coming up next. Well, I'm going to talk about myself for one more second because why wouldn't I, Jake? Because, look, if you're watching the games, you might as well win a little money while you're doing it. And you can do that with Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is a product I've used. You could use it too, and you're going to get free money right now. Whether you want to bet on, you know, Jamar Chase being Offensive Rookie of the Year, Joe Burrow being MVP, or maybe just Comeback Player of the Year. I say just with a smile on my face because what an honor that would be if he was able to secure that award this year. Or maybe you just like the Bengals plus three against the Packers this weekend. Well, you can bet on all of those things and so much more at betonline.ag. And you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit right now with promo code locked on. And it's not just football, basketball, boxing, everything in one spot. <clears throat> Excuse me, betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on your, all your favorite sports. Again, promo code locked on at betonline.ag. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You know, that comeback player of the year race, that's going to be tight between Burrow and Dak. I mean, Dak I Prescott know. also having a fantastic year to start off for, for Dallas. But hey, Joe Burrow up for air player of the week this week. I don't think he's going to win. 
I think he's losing the popularity contest of the city of New York and, and obviously Patrick Mahomes, but certainly deserving. And I pointed this out on Twitter. I don't remember if we talked about it on the show yesterday or not, but Joe Burrow, PFF's top graded quarterback. I think we did top graded quarterback in the last mm-hmm. two weeks. Yep. And I think that's a really good segue into Christopher Papa's question, James. Christopher Papa, PhD, at Chris underscore Papa underscore 85. Maybe a Nocho Ocho Cinco fan here. He wants to know how concerned you are that Joe Burrow is comfortably top 10 in any catch-all rate stat you can find, except the ones that are ostensibly opponent-adjusted, such as QBR, where he's 18th, or DVOA, where he's 17th. I'm not, and maybe maybe you're more, because you're, you're certainly more um, into the stats, I, I guess, what would be a, a fair way uh, to put it. No, I'm not, because this is, now if this is the case a month and a half from now, and they're playing a good half and not another good half, and they're not putting it together, and they're not putting up 30 points against bad defenses like they should, and even against good defenses like I think they should, that's one thing. But look, this offense has just scratched the surface to me. And they've played two games without T. Higgins. We'll see with Mixon. Uh, the offensive line, they, they finally, after a couple of weeks, put Jackson Carmen in there. And you certainly hope he improves things, uh, you know, as time goes on. And Burrow's coming off of a crazy injury. And so a slow start was expected. And so the fact that they're three and one the past two weeks, I think, and really in a span of four days, right, 96 hours, he's shown – uh, tremendous progress, I think, in, in what he's done in the pocket, his playmaking ability, all of those things that make him special. So, no, I'm, I'm not really – like I I don't want to discredit the – not the negative stats, but the not-so-good stats and just buy the, the great stats because there's a lot of them out there, right, the PFF grade like you just mentioned. But to me, I take it with a grain of salt now, and I want to see what this next four games looks like. Because I think Burrow, and I get it, gets more tough. I think he could have have a, a hell of a, a four game stretch here, assuming Higgins is back with Chase and Boyd. Uh, given that now we're talking about fourteen games into his career, I think he's extremely confident. I think he's as comfortable on that knee as he's been since the injury. And and so why not continue to raise those expectations for Joey B? So not really concerned, but I. I I'll default to you, stathead Mr. Jake Lisko. What do you think? I think the DVOA stuff, for one, is not in full effect yet. Like, they don't do their full weighting for current season opponent adjustments until week six or week eight. I don't remember off the top of my head, but they're not all the way there yet. They're still waiting quite a bit based on their preseason expectations for teams. That being said... Burrow's best games came against the depleted Steelers defense and the Jacksonville Jaguars who are as dysfunctional as their coach who I'm surprised didn't get fired on Tuesday as we record this episode. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. I mean, maybe not surprised, but you know, the, the very stern warning from, (laughs) from ownership, let's say, I mean, really, really embarrassing stuff to, to entrust your franchise to urban Meyer. And, I liked, uh, who was it? I think it was Ben Solak, who's like football Twitter, who, by the way, still argues, he he said in his tweet, about whether or not Patrick Mahomes is a good quarterback, unanimously told Jacksonville, do not hire Urban Meyer, and they did it anyway. So it uh, tells you something about, you know, where public perception is on Urban Meyer, but let's not harp too much there and talk more about Joe Burrow. He did have those performances against some 
not so great defenses based on injuries or based on just the the quality of the team struggled against Chicago for a lot of that game. You know, we, we've talked about that quite a bit, a, a pretty good defense there in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, against Minnesota, he was, he was kind of, he was okay. He got a little bit lucky at times. He was, he was good enough to win the game. So you can't, you know, hammer him too hard for that. But what I think is that you kind of need to take into account everything together. So on tape, the last two weeks, he looks much more like himself. Comfortability in the pocket, making plays off script, especially against Jacksonville. The, the accuracy is still there. The processing time is still there. You listen to guys like JT O'Sullivan talk about him. His footwork is that of, you know, unmatched level. Like you can't be better than him in terms of getting his feet set in a timely fashion. So you listen to these things and you're like, okay, the film is really good. The productivity has been really good the last few weeks. Okay, sure, there's some concerns maybe with the quality of opponent, but let's see what happens against Green Bay, right? Maybe they don't have Jair Alexander, so maybe we're still waiting to see him really do it against a good, good defense, but Green Bay is a better team. There's more pressure there. They still have Preston Smith, who's having a bounce back here. They still have Kenny Clark, so there's still some challenges up front. Mm -hmm. Jair Alexander would be a huge absence for them if he can't play. Then after that, it's Detroit, so maybe we don't learn anything, and we're going to continue to learn about Joe Burrow the more games he plays but am I concerned no I think his tape has been increasingly good and I think that it matches up with you know the PFF grades the EPA per play stuff that we talk about and I think that these things will eventually balance out and you know we'll see we'll see if he has a regression game or not but this is kind of what happened to him his rookie year he would have some really good games he would have some stinkers in between and we haven't seen you know that real shell shock game yet although you could say chicago was that he bounced back at the end of that game played pretty well after the disastrous drive so i think the resiliency is there and i think that things are trending in the right direction for him this year for sure next question comes from logie 513 certainly a loyal listener and this was a video question and um it was like two minutes long so i'm going to try to quickly summarize it and kind of give you logie's point of view and, and, and get your take basically He's asking about Jesse Bates, and he made it clear he loves Jesse Bates, thinks Bates is a great safety, but with the way the Bengals' front seven is playing, it makes it a bit easier on safeties. And and so he's basically wanting to know, is it worth it if the Bengals' front seven continues to play well uh, to make Bates the highest-paid safety in the NFL or close to it? And then he – followed it up by saying I'm torn between wanting Bates to get the money he deserves and wanting the team to get a good deal and not have the highest paid safety in the league. So that balance. So your thoughts, Jake, on, on that idea. Yeah. I I think there's this thing in Cincinnati sports fandom where like fans are averse to their local teams spending money on players. Like you see with the Reds fans specifically all the time, like we can't afford whatever and the reality is these guys can afford it especially in the nfl where revenue sharing will pay for more than your player salaries and that's all based on tv money so am i worried about jesse Bay's contract eating up too much of the salary cap that will make it so the bengals can't be flexible and do what they want to do in free agency no i mean we we think the salary cap is going up and i think the salaries are going to go up to reflect that but the thing is is they have a lot of free agents on the defensive mm-hmm. line. So you got to figure out if those guys are coming back in the first place. 
Um, you know, you're hopeful for Joseph Osai to, to come back and be a good player next year after the, the knee surgery. I think that they could use another guy on the edge. I think they're going to have to make some hard decisions and bring some back, bring back some guys on the interior. But we saw what happened without Jesse Bates against Jacksonville in the run game. And I think that he is really a key for what this team can do in coverage as well. I mean, I, I think that that just can't be disputed, even if we haven't seen it yet this year. So to me, he's still worth it. And it's not really a huge concern if you spend $17 million, $18 million a year there, if it is that high because of where we expect the salary cap to go. Yeah. And the other thing is I saw someone and I forget who, and I apologize uh, for forgetting, but someone was like, oh, well, you should focus on extending Jonah or extending this player, extending that player. And they have a lot of players like they, they could potentially extend this coming off season. They can do that too. The Bengals are going to have a crap ton of salary cap that, you know, a cap space this off season. And so the Bates deal isn't really going to get in the way of things if they get it done. I don't think it's going to be in season. It's just not something they do outside of that Andrew Whitworth one-year extension in 2016, I believe it was, or 2015. I think it was 2015. So we'll uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I certainly think Bates is, is everything you could ask for. Uh, and then some in a safety, and he's younger than Joe Burrow. So I, I don't know if we've necessarily seen his full potential yet. We'll continue – with the mailbag coming up next, but this episode brought to you by Rock Auto. Look, it was so funny at the event last week. Everyone's like, James, you're pulling up in your Daewoo, hon. That's right, man. My Daewoo running great. You know why? Because rockauto.com is saving me money on all the parts I need. And it doesn't matter if you drive a Daewoo. Maybe you drive a Toyota Corolla, a Honda Civic, something common like that. Or maybe it's a little rare, a Mercedes-Benz, a Beamer, a Bentley. Rock Auto's got you covered, and they're going to save you money because they've been in the business for more than two decades. And rather than paying crazy prices at dealerships or going to the big box store, you could save you know, 30, 50, 60% on the parts you get from Rock Auto, from something as simple as an air filter to something more extensive like a fuel pump. Check them out right now at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure to write locked on. In their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the lombardi trophy either way join keith sanchez and damian parson for mock draft monday on the locked on nfl draft podcast They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, we have some fun questions to finish with. Let's get let's get this one out of the way first. Uh, Jay Scooge, Scudge, Jay Scudgeons. I don't know how to say your name, man. I'm sorry. Would like to know who would win a 40-yard dash. You... Or me? You answer that. You answer that first. I think you would win. Okay. <laughs> I think you were going to I didn't think it was going to be a big debate. And I was like, eh, I'll let Jake answer. And then if he says no, then I'll, I'll debate him. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. You're like three, three years younger than me or so. Yeah. I think that, you know, if you go back to, to peak Jake versus peak James, it's, it's really close. Cause I got, I got length on you. 
and I used to be fast. I am no longer fast. I can feel myself being like when I play tennis and I'm trying to yeah. chase down a shot, for example, like I can feel myself being slower than I used to be. I'm like, why am I not there? I could I could do this when I was younger. And it's just my speed has started sapping in the last few years. You need to eat more belt bars, bro. Cause I'm yeah. trying to, I, I turned 30 and I, I know people usually hit like the average person. I get athletes ne- might not necessarily hit a wall at 30 these days, but the average person does. And I'm like, hell no, we're, we're breaking through. We're, we're breaking through that and trying to try to get the 40. So we'll I, I still happens. felt, a, I still felt okay at 30. It's, it's really the last two years, 32, 33 that I've really like, I've noticed like I'm slower than I used to be. This is new. This is a change. So, uh, you know, hopefully you don't, you don't go that way. Um, and another Fun question, just before we get back into some of the more involved questions. Daniel Panetti asks, rookie Jamar or rookie AJ so Ooh. far, James, based on based on their rookie season specifically? Oh, it's tough because I think Jamar Chase has actually been more productive. You know, stats-wise, he has more touchdowns. Um, he's been more of a deep threat. He was an MIA for 56 minutes or whatever it was in his debut unlike A.J. Green, who outside of a broken play where Joe Hayden forgot to guard him and Bruce Gradkowski found him. It was the game winner, but it was a completely broken play. A.J. Green was frustrated as hell, if you remember, and you watch his debut, and you don't see Green frustrated like that. Um, That being said, I think Green, and here's why. Andy Dalton wasn't, as a rookie especially, anywhere near where Burrow is even now. I, I don't think. I mean, it was a lot of you know, throw it up to AJ and hope AJ can make a play on it. Jerome Simpson was on that team, right? And in that offense was just kind of getting by and, and, you know, handing off to Cedric Benson and making it work. I think AJ was ready to hit the ground running and he had a huge training camp, like some wow plays. And uh, I, I remember just buzzing about AJ Green and just all the excitement around him. And I think Chase is close to that. And might ultimately, and is on pace to have a better season statistically than AJ. But as of right now, I, I would still probably take AJ Green. But it's very close. I mean, it's very close. And there's a, a scenario where Chase scores 18 touchdowns, wins Offensive Rookie of the Year, has 1,350 yards, and you know he, he passes Green. But as of today, I think it's close. But I think AJ would have done a hell of a lot more with Joe Burrow as his quarterback. I can definitely see that argument. I would also say that AJ was getting force fed the ball a lot because that was a lot of the offense that year. Throw it up to AJ. He had extra opportunities through. I mean, AJ Green in week two of his rookie year had 14 targets. He caught That's a lot almost, of them. That, that was against caught, Denver, right? Yeah, he caught 10 of them. He had a really good game. Uh, he also had 10 targets. Touchdown. He also had 10 targets against Buffalo. That's 24. He had nine targets in his other games. That's a total of 33 targets. Jamar Chase has had 25 targets in his four games and is still outproducing AJ. He has 17 catches for almost 300 yards, four touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. We're like the quarterback much better. Definitely mm-hmm. agree with that. Jamar's on pace in a 16-game pace, not a 17-game pace. 16 game pace for nearly 1200 yards and 16 touchdowns. Obviously there's probably some touchdown regression coming, but mm-hmm. also I think could be some yardage regression coming in the other direction where he should, I think be featured more, more in, yeah. in future games. Like he, he got nine targets against Jacksonville, caught six of them. But before that, you know, five, four, seven, he hasn't had a 10 target game, not to mention a, a 14 target game. You look at AJ's rookie year, 10, 14, 10, 11, a bunch of nines, eights. So 
if you continue to see Jamar get featured more, and we'll see if that mm-hmm. happens or not. I mean, last week was a Tyler Boyd game. T. Higgins is coming back. So maybe that opportunity won't come as Joe Burrow continues to spread the ball around. Um, statistically, like you said, uh, Jamar is probably on pace for a better year than, than AJ. And here's the thing that would make me lean Jamar. Just to play devil's advocate, because this is really close, but I'm going to come down mm-hmm. on the other side for the for the sake of presenting the argument in the other way. It's fair. You hate AJ Green. We've already established it. Go ahead. I love AJ Green. Don't ever say that Just... again. Uh, <laughs> Jamar Chase it unlocked Joe Burrow's deep ball, and and that I think is is a big deal. Like, yeah, Joe Burrow's probably better than Andy Dalton was in in Andy's rookie year at this point, but. His deep ball last year was, you know, we've talked about it. it. He had problems with it. And this year, it's the the total opposite. And much of that is because of Jamar, Jamar Chase's presence. You know what I like about Jamar that AJ never had? And, and, and really what I like about Jamar that Chad never had. And Chad's my favorite player. It, it's like, as of now, and we're only four games in, but he's got like Chad swag, but AJ's calm, cool, collectiveness. Like he's not yeah. going to throw his helmet into the stands. Like I watched the entire offense. Not that Chad did that, but you know what I'm saying? He's not going to lose his mind. I I watched the offense during that first half and they come to the sideline and just put their helmet on the the stand. And it wasn't like one was yelling at the other. There was no, and I think that probably starts with Burrow, but just an observation that I had, even though, you know, it can be frustrating. It's not like Jamar was losing his mind or Boyd or any of these guys mixing. Um, but he's still got some swag to him. Like AJ was a, a drone where, where he's like, well, you know, I, I d- didn't really dance much, you know, you know, in his prime, especially. Unless Jalen um, Ramsey was involved. F- for sure. And I was at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. But, but you know what I'm saying? And so like Jamar, you get the gritty, but you also get, um, you get the calmness in the, the silent confidence that green brought. Like, I don't think Jamar's out there saying, I'm open like 7-Eleven. But he thinks he's going to be open like 7-Eleven. But if he does score, he's going to spike it on you and give you a little dance as well. And I, I think that that's, uh, as of now, the perfect medium between the two. So, you know, I'm not going to knock anyone that says Jamar. And, you know, it would be fun to cover him having a record-breaking 16-touchdown, 1,500-yard season. I hope he gets that. That'd be fun. He, he would have to pick up the yards. They'd have to start throwing the ball to him a little bit more, I think, to get there. But, you know, they, they could certainly you could certainly see that happening as long as he doesn't get called for, you know, did you see that Darren Waller taunting penalty last night on, on Monday Night Football? Dude, that was brutal. It was ridiculous. He spiked that. the ball away from the players. He was looking forward. It and would just be bounced like the wrong way. Yeah, like if Jamar gets flagged for signaling first down and dropping the ball, you know, or, or just like, you know, because he'll do one of these if you're watching on YouTube or yeah. something like that, or Mixon when he extends the ball and drops it. If they get flagged for that, I, get another 15 by losing your mind on the official. I, I'd be fine with that. Get another 15. <laughs> yeah. Zach or somebody, because it's ridiculous. That was ridiculous. I hated it. What, where are we going next, James? We have, we have time for maybe one or two more. Maybe one yeah. more. Yeah, well – how about this? Because this is a, another comparison question. Uh, Jim McCracken asks, why does the national media continue to hype Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow? He says, I feel like I hear a lot about Herbert is the best of the three quarterbacks taken at the top of the draft. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm down in Florida, as our loyal listeners know, our everyday listeners know, and I'm visiting my parents and we're watching the pregame and my mom goes, well, they're talking a lot about Herbert. 
being the next best thing. Why aren't they talking? I'm like, well, they're Herbert's playing in this game. So maybe maybe Jim heard the pregame show last night and was was a little put off because they talked about Herbert in the game that Herbert was playing. But this is like a common thing among you know, you know what it is. There's like this weird click of, you know, smart NFL people that happen to work for a national and respected uh, you know, sports writing website that will remain nameless. You probably know who these people are um, who like to rag on Joe Burrow's arm strength, who like to rag on Joe Burrow's age and never seem to give Joe Burrow credit when he plays a really good game like he just had against against Jacksonville. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. last night I'm watching and I missed the first drive of the game when Herbert was like six of six, apparently, and had a pretty nice drive. But you know, I see him airmail a couple throws, miss a my, wide open uh, Mike Williams on a busted coverage from Damon Arnett, and then he comes back and he, you know, has some reasonable throws. But like the Raiders were busting coverages left and right, and so I'm looking at that thinking like none of these throws have, and he did to his credit have some really nice throws. The wheel the touchdown to uh, Eckler, Eckler was a really good throw. I mean, not an incredibly difficult throw. Joe Burrow can make that throw, but he had some nice throws, but a lot of the throws didn't have an immensely high degree of difficulty. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I watched that and I'm looking at Twitter and people are like, oh yeah, Justin Herbert's lasers are looking nice tonight. And I'm like, what are we, what are we doing here? These, these aren't like particularly hard throws. Maybe they look aesthetically nice, but I, I just, you know, Joe Burrow has been really good this year. I, I don't know where it or when it became cool to like dismiss and hate on Joe Burrow. It's really weird. Both of these guys have a really bright future and I'm looking forward to seeing how they both turn out because I think Joe Burrow shown that he can still be a really, really good quarterback currently like top five, top six by most metrics. Uh, despite those limitations of arm strength and despite being a couple years older than Justin Herbert. And honestly, at this point, who cares about the age? Yeah. I- you know, I th- I look at it as because it's it's always going to be considered a competition, same draft class. It, to me, and I'll include Patrick Mahomes in this, and there's a reason why I'm not including like a Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield because I just don't think you know, and maybe Kyler Murray squeaks his way in. There's a lot of good quarterbacks, but like in a perfect scenario for these guys, Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers, right? Is like the the next new and improved Aaron Rodgers, and he might you know you might already say he's there, which is fine, uh, and I think he is. So there you go. Justin Herbert is Peyton Manning where he's just got it and, and you see it and bigger arm, but you know, all of those people, like you're talking about crown Manning pretty early and, and you hope and so that's kind of happening with Herbert and I'm not debating it. I think Herbert's really, 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 really good. I'm the one who wrote before the draft that the Bengals should be open to, to listening to, to what the Dolphins had to offer specifically when they had all those first rounders, just to see what, you know, what it was. Anyways, I do think the Bengals got it right with Burrow because you're hoping he's Brady. You're hoping he completely transforms your culture, completely becomes this competitive maniac football freak that is so obsessive that it doesn't matter if he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's going to move in the pocket, his pre-snap reads, his – uh, a competitiveness and fire and all that, all those intangibles synced up with his ability to read the defense and change things. And and that goes on line with Peyton a little bit, right? Cause I think he's the one who kind of revolutionized the game there, but Brady took the baton and ran with it. Um, you hope he's that. So you, we might be seeing those three greats coming in together within a three year span of each other and all being in the same conference. And if that's the case, 
that's fine. It's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I get it. I, mean, I think Brady's the GOAT. But Peyton Manning, he's not the GOAT, but he's right behind him. So you would take either one. And so that's kind of how I feel about Herbert in Burrow. I think Burrow obviously fits what the Bengals needed. I was talking with Goodberry about this when we went out to eat um, at, you know, at the precinct. Like His ability to transform a culture mattered, yeah. even if he can't throw it 77 yards on a run like, you know, Justin Herbert can. And I, I think that part of it uh, is overlooked. They're both really, really good, and they have the potential to be great. I don't think either one's great yet, but they they could certainly end up there. Yeah. I mean, who was it? Somebody somebody said this week, like, Justin Herbert, I'm comfortable saying, Adam Schefter, I'm comfortable saying Justin Herbert, if he stays healthy, is a Hall of Famer, he said. And we're not there yet for either of these guys. Let's, let's no. pump the brakes and see how... Yikes. See how their careers go. But you make a really good point there, and I've talked about this a lot. The Bengals picked the quarterback they needed. Um, Joe, Joe Goodberry makes this point that the team takes on the strongest personality between the quarterback yeah. and the head coach. And in a lot of ways, specifically when you're talking about the offense, you can see how they've adopted Joe Burrow's competitiveness, his calm, cool, collected. And, and it translates to how they're carrying themselves on and off the football field. I think that matters. And... Herbert, you know, landed in a situation that's really good for him. Maybe he would be really good in Cincinnati as well, just based on his Probably. talent and his ability yeah. to throw the ball. But Joe Burrow is the guy that I think brought a transformative nature to this team. You heard DJ Reader in his press conference this week say, am I going to bet on Drew Locke or am I going to bet on Joey B? And uh, that's why he signed with the Bengals, right? So, And that was before the draft. Yeah. So, you know, it, it makes sense that, the Bengals went with Burrow and it should be fun to watch. Like you said, it should be fun to watch this rivalry because there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And the Bengals appear to have one of them and they can and continue they, to build around him for the next, hopefully 15 to 20 years. And the great news is, is they play each other later this year. So we'll get to see them go head to head as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Burrow gets to play against, we talked about this, Mahomes, Lamar, Aaron Rodgers this week. And and uh, Derek Carr now having a good year. Justin Herbert later in the year. So some some fun, high-powered potential offense matchups coming your way later this year. Tomorrow, we shift gears and we start to focus on Week 5. Green Bay Packers coming to Cincinnati to face Joe Burrow. And the Cincinnati Bengals will have Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers with us tomorrow to start talking about the matchup. Until then, Bengals fans, who day? Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.